The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Now, for those of you who may not know, we are studying Psalm 23. We're kind of taking our time going through it, and this is going to be the second message on the second verse of Psalm 23. And last Sunday, we talked together about the secret of a happy life, satisfaction, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And today, we're going to be looking at verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me besides the still waters. So let's read the entire psalm. Has anyone memorized it? All right. I see a few hands. Awesome. I don't have $100 for you, though. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, But let's begin in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, when I was little, and we lived in Uzbekistan, and my dad was a bee farmer. So to do bees, you go out in the country, different parts of the country, remote areas, and because there's different types of flowers, and pretty much every Christian man that was a Baptist was a beef farmer. <laughs> Don't know why, but they, they were. Uh, and they would go out to these remote areas, and, you know, you have to travel by night because that's when you can move bees at nighttime. And they would go out to these remote areas in the middle of nowhere, and there'll be these nomads living there, these mountain people, we call them. Um, if you want to understand what Uzbekistan is like, I'm sure you've seen pictures of Afghanistan, right? <laughs> All the stand countries are pretty much the same. And for a kid, you know, there's nothing, and the reason I'm sharing this, so you can, we're going to be talking about shepherds, so you know my shepherding experience. Uh, And and for a kid out of there, there's nothing much to do except get stinged by bees. Um, But for a small jar of honey, you can rent a donkey and go for a ride from these nomads people. And uh, you have to understand uh, honey at that time was considered liquid gold. You can literally pay off police officers when they pull you over in Uzbekistan. I don't know how it is now, but that's how it was back then. Um, and these nomads, they because they used honey to make medicine and all that kind of stuff, so it was very important to them to have this resource. And <laughs> for a small amount of honey, you can when the, the, the herb, their shepherds come by, they have a donkey that carries the water and necessities, they can give you a ride on it. You can ride it all day long for a small amount of honey. So I was going to bed real early, and my uncle says, why are you going to bed so early? It's like 5, 6 in the evening. Well, I'm going to go with the shepherds when they come by in the morning. I want to ride the donkey. And he says, well, you want to ride the donkey. They, they bite. You don't want to ride the donkey. So we spend good about two, three hours arguing that donkeys don't bite. Um, I know they kick. So in the early morning, I get up, I meet the people, give them the honey, and you know, it's a big herd. There's got the cows, they got the goats, they got the sheep, 
and the donkey's in the middle of the herd, and I get on it, and, you know, for a while we're traveling, and I'm riding it in the middle. <laughs> but all of a sudden, somehow, the herd turned, but the donkey kept going straight. So, you know, I do the pull on the reins to pull it to the right and so forth. It wouldn't turn, so I did the next best thing. I stopped. I got in front of it. I started jiggling in the nose and all that stuff. Next thing I know, I got headbutted. I'm on the ground. And then the donkey bit me. It bit my leg. So this shepherd comes on his horse. He just sweeps by, picks me up, like I don't know what, just throws me on the horse, and, you know, I'm crying. <laughs> he takes me back to our place and tells the uncle what happened. My uncle laughs at me while I'm still crying. Here comes my dad. He's rushing over what's going on to tell him. He starts laughing. So you can see I had a really sympathetic childhood. Uh, but just in case, you, you know, you ever wonder if you ever ask, do you know anybody that's been bitten by a donkey? I have, and they do. Now the sheep, they begin to haze and browse around like four in the morning. And the shepherd begins to lead them out, out of the sheepfold. Uh, there's still dew on the grass and so forth. It's a very quiet time. And the sheep will browse and they'll quietly eat and nibble on the grass. Uh, then about 10 or 11 in the morning, the sun is very, very hot. And if all possible, the shepherd at that time takes the sheep and hopefully finds some shady place where green grass is and allow the sheep to lie down. And the sheep will lie down for three to four hours and they just chew the cud. You know, they, all that grass that they ate, it comes back up, and they just start chewing it again. And this is the time when the sheep gets quiet, and it begins to digest all of that food that it has ingested. And, you know, and this is the time when the sheep is really growing the fastest. It's a time when sheep is putting on the fat, it's putting on the wool, it's maturing. And every true shepherd knows that quiet time for the sheep is very, very important. And that's why we see in this verse 2, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside stilled waters. So today I want to talk about a little bit about how to handle stress in all this chaotic world, especially at the time right now, right? Jehovah Shalom is the Lord of our peace. Is stress ever a problem to anybody? Nod your head. I see lots of heads. I see more heads nodding than the, remembering the Psalm 23. Almost everybody's nodding. So many folks are all just stressed up and nowhere to go, right? Especially in our times. Can't go anywhere. Can't do anything. You're tense, hectic, running around, so busy. Hurry. And sometimes we get to a place, and I know I've been there, where it's wrong for us. I think it's wrong for us to get some quiet time. You know, we've always got to be doing something. You know, I heard of a, mom, a woman called her pastor. She called him on a Monday, and she said, Hey, pastor, I called you on a Monday, and you didn't pick up your phone. She says, Well, I have Mondays off. Monday's my quiet time. I take Mondays off. He says, Well, the devil never takes the time off. And he said, Well, if I didn't take any time off, I'd be just like the devil. So it's important for us to have quiet time. God knows and wants his sheep to learn how to get quiet, lie down in green pastures, and to drink from the still waters. And there's many streams out in the Middle East where it's like kind of like 
comes rushing, but you'll never see sheep drinking from it. They're afraid to drink from rushing and girling waters. They like it where it's still waters. He leads me beside still waters. So why are we stressed? Now, there's many reasons that we can be stressed, but before I get there, let me, let me look at Psalm 100 and verse 3. Look at what it says here. Know that Lord, that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not of ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The reason we get stressed is because you'll see we're just like sheep. And God described us sheep of his pasture. You say, isn't that wonderful? I'm a sheep. Folks, when you, we get to the study, you will understand that God really wasn't trying to compliment us by calling us a sheep. He said, we're like sheep. I mean, that's not really a compliment. And folks, let me tell you something. It's definitely not a compliment in Russian culture. Do not go around calling a Russian saying he's a sheep. Um, you know how you guys say, like, that's a dumb move or uh, call somebody stupid or you do something stupid. In Russian, you just say, that's a, that's a sheep move or you're a sheep. And that association is with your big dummy. So don't call anybody sheep. The, the worst, even worse than that is to call somebody a goat. But you ever ask yourself why God compared us to sheep? I did. And you know, growing up in Uzbekistan where you see sheep walking on the streets, you see sheep on bus rides. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed in studying for this sermon one more time, I find out the sheep aren't the smartest ones around. And they're overloaded with dumbness, folks. They are. They're really not smart animals. Let me ask you this. Anybody ever been to a circus? Anybody go to a circus? You ever seen a trained sheep do any tricks? We see, you know, horses, lions, tigers, right? You've never seen a sheep. I've never seen a trained sheep do some trick, jump through a hoop of fire or something. They're not very intelligent animals. It's not too smart. You say, well, I'm pretty smart. I graduated. Top of my class, probably have some initials at the end of your name. But what I'm trying to say, you misunderstand me. I'm talking about in spiritual realm, in spiritual realm. You know, remember the story of Nicodemus. He was a very intelligent man. He was a master of Israel. He had all kinds of initials after his name. But in John 3.10, Jesus answered to him and said, Are you a teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? Remember, how, how are we going to be born again? He said, You don't know these things? He was intelligent up here, but not really spiritually mature. And in Romans 3, verses 11-12 says, There's no one that understands. There's no one that seeks after God. They're all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There's none who does good. No, not one. So in spiritual realm, we're like the sheep. Not only the sheep is kind of dumb, they're also a defenseless animal. You know, other animals, they can defense themselves. Uh, horse can run. 
A lion can bite, tiger has claws, a bear has claws, and so forth. A skunk, you know what it can do. Snake can strike. We know a donkey can kick and bite. But sheep really doesn't have any antlers, and the horns it might have, it's not very good to fight with. Sheep can't really run that well. They have relatively weak muscles, poor eyesight, don't have good hearing. Pretty much I just described myself. They're pretty defenseless. And Bible speaks of the lamb as being headed towards the slaughter, just kind of a defenseless animal that's just going towards the slaughter. You think of the sheep that needs somebody to defend them. And folks, that's the way we are. We need somebody to defend us. We don't have this sufficiency in ourselves. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, says not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Not only it's defenseless and ignorant, it's directionless. Now, I'm definitely just describing myself. If you ask my wife, I have no sense of direction. I need my Siri and GPS everywhere I go. And the Bible tells that to us. If you look at Isaiah 53, 6, all we are like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're like sheep that have gone astray. You see, the sheep will start nibbling here and here, then it goes over here, then it's over here, then it's nibbling over here, and all of a sudden it's lost. Just like I lost my place, where am I? You know, the cows come back home, right? They come back to the barn. Horse comes back to the stable. My brother Tim has some chickens. They run around the property, but then they come back to their little chicken shack that he has. Did you ever try to get rid of a cat? I had a, anybody make a mistake of feeding a stray cat? We moved into the house we're living now uh, three years ago. And, you know, at the time I was doing landscaping, building a deck and so forth, and there was a stray cat that came along, and it just kept its distance. I made a mistake of feeding it tuna. Three years, it still shows up. Still shows up. We named him Vito. I don't know where he goes or whatever, but I don't know where he just shows up, just lays on the mulch, lays on the deck, you know, looking at the birds. We have a, I watched a, a documentary called Pigeon Kings. You know, they have homing pigeons. They fly around and they come back. You ever seen a homing sheep? No. And, and you know, what, God, what does God say about his people? He says, they're, they're my people, they're sheep of my pasture. But then he says in Hosea eleven seven, he says, my people are bent on backsliding for me. Don't they call me the most high, none of them exalt him. In plain English, it means we have a tendency, we have a tendency to get away from God. Now, be honest. We all look holy in here. But don't, do you have a tendency to get away from God? Do you have a tendency to do that? That's because that's the sheep nature. And when you think about these things, the ignorance of the sheep, the weakness, the defenseless, you know, propensity to get lost, that's the sheep. We need a shepherd. We need somebody that we can depend on to kind of keep us in line. 
And you know, in preparation with, for these sermons, I was uh, reading a book, it's called The Shepherd. A Shepherd Looks Up Psalm 23. Uh, it's by Philip Keller. And if you really want to study deeper uh, Psalm 23, you can get that book. It's really good. Uh, but he writes that the sheep sometimes can become what we call cast. C-A-S-T-S. What that means is he writes when sheep sometimes become, uh, they roll over, they can't get back up. Um, uh, it rolls over, the paws are all up in the air, it doesn't have enough athletic ability or agility to turn itself over and rolls over, and it becomes vulnerable to the wolves and so forth. Uh, but also the gases inside it start to build up and the sheep gets bloated, and before long it cuts off the circulation and the sheep will die. And I think that's what, kind of what David meant when he wrote in Psalm 42, 5, he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? We get into this cast position, and the shepherd needs to come pick up the sheep and put the sheep back on its feet. Has he ever done that for you? Plenty of times for me. Pick up the sheep. And aren't you glad we have a caring shepherd like that? So now that you understand why we're like sheep, and I can go on. So how do we handle stress? If you look at Psalm 23, first two verses again, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. There's three things that I want to look at. There's lots of things, but three things I've chosen this morning. And the first is security. First, if you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior of your life, you need to remember you have security in the shepherd. The security you have in the shepherd. He makes me. He leads me. I'm secure in Jesus. And uh, who is this that leads us? Jehovah. Jehovah is my shepherd. Remember we said Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. And Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the great shepherd. I'm the chief shepherd. We learned that last week. And because of that, I have security. Look at, let's look some more characteristics of a, uh, of a shepherd. Uh, first one is compassion. This is Jesus we're talking about. In Matthew 9, 36, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He looks at him and says, They're like sheep that don't have a shepherd. He felt compassionate. You know, that the word compassion, he was convulsed. He, he felt it right in there. He was moved. He was hurting as seeing sheep without a shepherd. So he's compassionate. So when you think of the shepherd, think of compassion. Not only compassion, but think of caring. Uh, our shepherd, also think of care. In Isaiah 40, 11, it says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Folks, isn't that great? Aren't you glad the Lord is tender to us? And I'm very glad he gives us what we need and not what we truly deserve. Has he ever cared you, folks, if you think about all throughout your life? Has, have you felt him carrying you in bosom, like he says here? He picks you up, he carries you. And I'm so thankful he does that because I personally wouldn't have never made it. I would not be in front of you here today if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Not only he's caring and compassionate, but he's courageous. He's courageous. He's a courageous shepherd, and I love that about our Lord. He never backed down from anything. And if you remember last Sunday reading John chapter 10, there's a great chapter that deals with the good shepherd. And Jesus said in John 10 verses 11 through 13, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Now, folks, the wolves are after me. There's things in this world, in the spiritual world, that are coming after you. There are many dangers for the sheep in that day. There were wolves, lions, and so forth. And the one that's just a hireling, he flees. He doesn't want to fight, fight because he's a false shepherd. That's not Jesus Christ. And I remember reading in the Bible when the disciples said, Jesus, don't go to Jerusalem. Jesus wanted to go to Jerusalem. He said, don't go to Jerusalem. They're going to arrest you. They're going to do all these things to you. Don't go down there. They're going to kill you. They're going to hurt you and so forth. But in Isaiah 50, verse 7, the Bible says he set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know I will not be ashamed. He's not afraid of it. Flint is a, is a rock. He's going against it. And when you hit metal against that rock, it's great a spark. He's going through. He's not a hireling. He's the good shepherd. He's a courageous shepherd. And then, in this great chapter of the shepherd, in John 10, 7, he says, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door. Of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. Now, is he a shepherd or is he the door? And the answer is yes. Uh, if we have a picture up there, I try to find one. But in that day, a shepherd would build an enclosure of stones. It's a big circle or a square, as you can see here. But he brings the sheep inside at nighttime and so forth. That's the sheepfold. He counts them all by one. And Puts them in, they're all secure. And then the shepherd has this opening. Usually there's not a door there, as you see on the picture, but it's just an opening. And what the shepherd would do, he would just sit there and lie down uh, at nighttime and across that opening so nobody gets in and nobody gets out without the shepherd knowing. And the shepherd is the door. And what Jesus is saying, that nobody can get to you except he comes through me. Do you like that? So why are you all stressed out? And then John 10, 27, 28 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me, and I give them eternal life, and shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Now, folks, listen. When, in order to deal with this stress, number one, there's security. You may be a weak sheep, but he's a strong shepherd. You know, he'll, he'll come to your aid. He's the good shepherd, compassionate, caring, courageous. So we have this security in him. Understanding the security we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The next thing I want us to understand is the sufficiency we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He makes me, look in verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He makes me lie down in brown withered pastures, right? No, that's not what it says. Green pastures, it's not some leftover grass, some dead grass. He leads me beside muddy streams, dried up streams. No, still waters. All I need and more I find in the Lord Jesus Christ, folks. You see, why do we get stressed? We get stressed mostly because we think our needs are not going to be met, right? We're like sheep. We're not going to, we don't trust God to meet our needs. We think, oh my, I'm not going to have what I need. But do you remember the passage in Matthew, our Lord is telling us not to worry? What did he say people worry about? They all start with the letter F, right? They Food, friends, fame, fortune, fashion, finances. But then he says in Matthew 6.32, For all these things Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you all need, all these things. So he says, all these things Gentiles seek. But then he says, your Father knows you need all these things. And the reason we stress out, because we focus on that first. We want to get finances, food. He's, saying, he's not saying those things are bad. But what he's saying, if you go down to verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things be added to you. He's not saying, you know, all this stuff is bad. He's just saying get your priorities correct. His righteousness and seek after his kingdom. So he's not talking about having your bank account full or and remember, uh, last Sunday I talked about the Trinity of Psalms, Psalm, Psalm 22, 23, 24. Psalm 22 is, you know, when Christ uh, goes to the cross. Psalm 23, living today. And Psalm 24, kind of when Jesus is coming back. But if you look at Psalm 22, 26, it says, The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. And then in Psalm 22, 29, I looked up the King James Version too. It says, all the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. And it says in King James, all they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All that be fat. You see, God wants healthy sheep. He wants fat sheep. What does green, uh, green grass talk about? Green grass is his word. What does the water talk about? The, the still waters. That's his spirit. And friend, you, your satisfaction, uh, the only satisfaction you will find, we talked about that last Sunday, is in him. He is the satisfaction. And I tell you, you're going to be stressed out because the deepest need of your heart will never be met because it's in him if you don't accept him as Lord and Savior. And if we look at Matthew 4, 4, it says, But he answered and said, It is written, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The Bible tells us that the word of God is what bread is to the natural men. And then in Matthew 5, 6, says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So he tells you to seek God's kingdom, his righteousness. And then he tells you here, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Your satisfactions will be filled. 
Hungering after what? Righteousness. And blessed means satisfied, content, joyful. Those who hunger and thirst. How many people you know hunger and thirst for righteousness? Truly for righteousness. The green pastures of his word and the still waters of his spirit. How many people do that we know in, or maybe it's, maybe it's us. Do I hunger for his word, for his spirit? And it doesn't say blessed are those who seek after blessedness or some kind of rewards. It says not blessed those who seek after happiness. It says blessed are those that seek righteousness. You want to hear something funny? Do you know who are the most unhappy people in the world? People are just trying to be happy. People are just trying to be, it's a strange thing. Happiness is something you never find looking for. it. Happiness comes, true happiness and satisfaction comes. It's something you stumble over when you serve in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And the happiness is the byproduct of righteousness. And our happiness comes from self-centeredness and sin. God has engineered it that way. Do you know that? God has built that into us. You know, in Genesis 3.17, this is where God is kicking, kicking uh, Adam and Eve out of the garden. And he says, then Adam, he said, because you have heeded to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded, uh, which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake in the toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So God is saying, I'm putting a curse into the ground. All these thorns and thickles and all these weeds are going to be growing in there. But not because you're bad and I hate you now. But he says, for your sake. You know, when we pick up a rose now, ever get pinched and say, ouch? Any of you, I know I'm getting to an age where I wake up in the morning, I say, ouch. Why? Because that's the worst thing that can happen to a person with a diseased heart is to know like, that there's nothing wrong. The pain, the stress, it tells you there's something wrong in this world. And what's wrong is sin. And the cure is righteousness. Now, what we're trying to do is get rid of the thorns and thickles, not to deal with the problem that caused them. Imagine if you go to a, a doctor and you have some kind of infection and it's painful and so forth, and he just gives you some pain medication. You go home, you take your pain medication, then the pain gets worse, you come back, he gives you more medication. You take some more painkillers and so forth, give you keep going back. Is he a really good doctor? Not really, because he never deals with the infection that's causing the pain. And all we're trying to do is to get rid of the symptoms by really not dealing with the infection. Seek righteousness, and then you'll be happy. Then you'll deal with stress. He makes us lie down in green pastures. That's his word, still waters. That's his spirit. And what I'm trying to say is, until the deepest, to have the deepest needs of your heart met is to worship God. It is to worship God. So we have the sufficiency 
And then I want to talk about serenity. We have security, sufficiency, and serenity. If you look at verse 2 again, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And I'm going to keep repeating it because, again, we want to remember, memorize this psalm. You see, sheep will not lie down until they are content. Have you ever seen so many people hurrying in our age? Remember I said yesterday, you know, we order something from Amazon or can't really wait a day till we get it. We got to go in a hurry. Talk about, you know, when I was used to a previous job, I used to travel a lot and uh, go to the airport. One of my favorite things was to do was to people watch. Anybody ever people watch? That's my favorite thing to do when I was just waiting for my plane. But then, you know, I was wondering, where are all these people going? I mean, I'm going for work. Where, where are they going? Everybody's rushing and so forth, back and forth, and you know, uh, uh, trying to figure out where's all these people going. Then I get on the highway, you know, trying to figure out on GPS where I'm supposed to be going and driving. All you see these cars rushing and honking at me and so forth. I'm like, where, where are you in such a hurry? Everybody's in a hurry. Everybody in a hurry. You ever heard of a jet plane, a jet fighter plane that shut itself down? In 1956, this is United States of America, an F-11. They were doing a test on the cannons on the, on, the, uh, on the plane. And this is a true story. I'm not making it up. You can Google it. And they fired a weapon, fired a cannon, and the plane was moving so fast that it cut up to the bullet that it shot and shot itself. And that's the way we are. We're moving so fast, and we're shutting ourselves down. And it's important for us to have quiet time. I don't know where you have your quiet time, morning, night. You know, people say in the morning, I do my best quiet time in 2, 3 in the morning. But in Isaiah 30, 15, it says, For this says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you will not. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Folks, in Psalm 46, 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. And do you know what I kind of mentioned, what the sheep is doing when it's lying down? It's chewing that cud. It's all that, you know, it comes back from the stomach and it's chewing it up. It's, it has a stomach, second stomach, where it's put the grass and it's that sweet grass, that clover comes out and... It's loading up. It's just chewing, chewing it and chewing it, chewing it, loading it up. And the shepherd says, lie down. Digest what you have by the green pastures, by the still waters. And that's what we need to do. That green grass is the word of God. And what the sheep is doing, it's meditating. That's what we need to be doing, meditating on the word of God. You know, sometimes we find ourselves studying the Scripture and move so fast, but we don't, we, we, we don't even meditate on what it means, how it applies to our lives. But we need to meditate on the Word of God. And you're not going to meditate on the Word of God until you get down and quiet. In Psalm 1-2, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he, in his law he meditates day and night. Does that mean he sits there and reads the Bible nonstop day and night? No, he reads a little. But as he's walking... Is he talking? 
Is he sitting down? He's thinking. He's meditating on the things that he read. And the Scripture uh, is full of verses that tell us that we need to meditate on the Word of God. If you look at Psalm 19.14, it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And then in Psalm 104.34 says, May my meditation be sweet to him. And in Psalm 119.15, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. And the thing that's mostly wrong with us is we don't lay down on the grass and meditate on the Word of God. Even those who, like I said, is trying to study the Word of God, how much time do we really take to really digest what God has given us? Part of the reason I wanted to slow down and kind of look at Psalm 23, there's no way I can cover everything in this psalm, but Look at it verse by verse. What does it, because we're so familiar with it, but then we skip over what it truly means for us. And most of us think we did God a wild favor by showing up on Sundays, right? But how many of you, when you get home, do you really meditate on what you've heard? When you study God's word, and I said, like, whenever it is best for you, do you really have a quiet time? Any quiet time, let me ask you this, do you have a journal? Do you keep a pen handy? When God's talking to you, do you write those things down? And if you expect God to tell you something or show you something in the scripture, you should have a pen and paper ready. That's how you meditate. You slow things down. You see, some of us are just too busy. And folks, let me tell you this. If you're a Christian and you accepted Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you say, yes, I am a Christian, and you don't have quiet study time, you're too busy. You're too busy, and you're going to miss up, miss out on life. You think you're getting me satisfactions and so forth. If you don't have quiet time with the Lord, you're going to miss out on life. And the reason I say that is because in John 10... Verse 10, it says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You're, you're going to miss out on life. You know, I heard some people uh, give advice to young people. Well, you know, you're going to go to school and so forth. You know, it's good. Make all the money you can as long as you make it honestly. Sounds like good advice, but really it's not good advice at all. Because when you're trying to make all the money you can, even honestly, you're not spending any time in the Scripture. You're not laying down. And we need to stop and prioritize our life, and that's the reason we're stressed, because we don't have priority. We need to prioritize our life. And, you know, sometimes we, we know we can go lie down and so forth, but sometimes, you know, God makes you lie down. Because you're so busy. He makes you like that. Sometimes he puts you on your back to get you to look up. In Psalm 119, David says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. In Psalm 119, verse 71, he said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. He makes me lie down. So, folks, before God does that, do yourself a favor and just lie down yourself. And folks, distressed sheep 
They're not producing wool. They're not producing any fat. They're not producing lambs. They're not being very productive. So the shepherd will make them lie down. And the cure for stress is find Jesus Christ. You'll have security, sufficiency, serenity. And Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. But look at the second part. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Do you see that? Seeking after that righteousness. If you're righteous, you'll never. And then in Peter 5, 7, it says, casting all your care upon him, he cares for you. So you need to understand that you're a sheep and you can't take care of yourself. So you need a shepherd. And if you're here this morning and if you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to think about it. What do you have to lose? If you're stressed out in your life, he is the cure. He'll lead you to these steel waters, to the green pastures. And I want to tell you that God's grace saves us, and it helps us with our anxiety, equips us for service, and enables us to grow spiritually and to be rich in God, which is our true satisfaction, Jehovah Shalom. Not only God, you can experience true peace in your life. Folks, I'll tell you. This week has not been a very good week for me, or the last week. I know it's a very hectic week. Didn't even have time to come on Wednesday prayer group. But throughout all this, and not knowing the certainty of the future and what's going to happen with work and so forth, I have peace. Because as I sit down and I meditate, there never has been a time God didn't take care of me. I had troubles. You know, I was laid off from previous work and so forth. But God, if I think about it, yeah, those were experiences were troubling and so forth, and I had pains and, you know, all those things. But now being through it, I can see the hand of God, how he, the good shepherd, came, lifted it. And he said, I've never seen a righteous person beg for bread. Righteous person. He will have, he will meet all your needs. And folks, in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, it says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord of peace himself, he's the true person that has peace, will give you peace in every way. And the Lord be with you all. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, again, for giving us the opportunity to gather in your house. And as we ponder and meditate on this psalm, Father, I, give you, I ask that you guide us with your Holy Spirit. That Father, we have so many needs of believers and people are here that are not mentioned. And there's struggles, everyday needs in life. And we all have a tendency to, to stress out. And just like a sheep, we go astray, not realizing that you're the good shepherd. That we should come to you. We should... Find peace in you and that you, being the good shepherd, will take care of all our needs. And Father, as we leave this place today, I pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.